I didn't push the button. All right, there we go. Good morning. Welcome. I only have one quick announcement, and that is that Wonderful Wednesdays begin this Wednesday. And if you don't know what Wonderful Wednesday is or you want to help, just see Katie. So see Katie. All right, let us begin our worship together.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray together. God of wind, word, and fire, we bless your name this day for sending the light and strength of your Holy Spirit. May that same Spirit enable us to praise and witness to your love throughout all the earth. Through Jesus Christ, who lives with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated and I'll let the baptismal family come forward. No, this is his, this is his uh, certificate. Okay. Let's get over this way. I asked you to get your uh, insert out. Now, you know, a couple weeks ago we had confirmation, right? Okay. Confirmation is the end result of those parents having presented their children for baptism many years ago. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. They present a child for baptism. They pledge to raise the child in the church so that someday that child can speak for itself at confirmation. All right, if you'll follow along with me. The church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time for the conduct of worship, the due administration of God's word and sacraments, the maintenance of Christian fellowship and discipline, the edification of believers, and the conversion of the world. All of every age and station need, stand in need of the means of grace which the church alone supplies. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through which grace we become partakers of His righteousness and heirs of life eternal. Those receiving this sacrament are thereby marked as a Christian disciple and initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. Our Lord has expressly given to little children a place among the people of God, which holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how He said, Let the children come to Me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And so now I ask these parents, sponsors, you grandparents want to come up and stand with them, you can. Come on. You all want to come up? Anybody else? Or family? Anybody? Y'all can all come up here. Be up here and be supportive of them. Come on. I think it means the more the merrier up here, the more meaningful it is for these children. All right, so beloved, I'm going to ask you, these parents, do you in presenting this child for holy baptism reject all that is evil, repent of your sin, and accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? 
Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? We do. Will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? To the congregation, I asked you as Christ's body, the church, will you reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this person now before you in your care and surround him with a community of love and forgiveness? Let us pray over the water. Eternal Father, your mighty acts of salvation have been made through water. From the movement of your spirit upon the waters of creation to the deliverance of your people through the flood and through the Red Sea. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb baptized by John, anointed by your Spirit. And Jesus called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and to those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his vile victory through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We'll see if you'll come to me. So you don't, hey there, you don't know who's gone, you do you? Let's see here. Graham Marshall Duncan, right? Is that right? Okay. Graham Marshall Duncan. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> May the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. My friends, those who have been baptized in the Christ Holy Church are welcomed into this congregation of the United Methodist Church. This child is now a preparatory member. Members of the household of God, I commend this child to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase his faith, confirm his hope, and perfect him in love, and let the congregation respond. I'm going to present him, if y'all have seen. We will present this young man to this congregation. Look out there to everybody. See everybody? Huh?
did real good. <laughs> All right, let us pray. Oh God, our Heavenly Father, grant that this child as he grows in years may also grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that by restraining and renewing the influence of the Holy Spirit, he may ever be a true child of thine, serving thee faithfully all his days. So God, and uphold the parents and sponsors this child, that by loving care, wise counsel, and holy example, they may lead him into that life of faith whose strength is righteousness and whose fruit is everlasting joy and peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, bless, preserve, and keep you now and forevermore. Amen. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Let's give them a round of applause. What do you say? I'm going to get you. Uh-oh. And now the children could come up for a children's time. see what I brought with me. No, I already saw it. Look what I brought with me this morning. What's in here? Balloons. Do y'all like balloons? <laughs> me too. I love balloons. So what, what can you do with balloons? You can blow them up and we use them for like parties. Water balloons. We are not going to make water balloons this morning, but I love water balloons. <laughs> but I, too. I, I do too. But I can't use them because I want to get them in my Okay. We also, um, I have seen people make animals out of balloons. I can't do that. Can y'all do that? You can, Sarah? Tom, have you ever seen somebody make an animal out of a balloon? Yeah? It's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, the balloon I'm holding is pretty nice. I mean, it's red. I like the color red. But something is missing. You do like red? Awesome. Cool. Well, but there's something missing with this balloon. What, what's missing? Air. So this balloon, in order to have size to it and shape, we know it's going to be round. It has to be big in order to do it. But for it to grow. It, you know, it needs another, you know, there's another thing that, that makes it. Okay. Well, before a balloon can fulfill its real purpose, though, what does it have to have? Somebody has to breathe life into this balloon. So you might have been talking about helium. Sometimes we don't just blow it up with our mouths. We put it on a machine, and it blows air into it, and then it floats, right? Yes, and I, like, I love it floating. It is pretty cool. Well, I think this balloon can help us learn something about the church this morning. Today is a special Sunday that we call Pentecost. Do you know what happened on that day? That's kind of a big word. Do you know what happened, Sarah? You're right. 
It was the day that God sent his Holy Spirit to breathe life into the church so that the church would be all that God intended it to be. Before God sent his Holy Spirit, the church was lifeless, kind of like this balloon. It didn't, it's okay, it's okay. It didn't really do anything. So God sent his Holy Spirit, it breathed life into the church, and people began telling everyone they saw about Jesus. It didn't matter if they spoke the same languages or not. They told everyone about him, and the people understood. Thousands of people were added to the church, and the church became alive and started doing what God had commanded. So I have a balloon for each of you this morning. Tom, is that the one you want to pick? Sarah, do you want to pick? Well, there's plenty, so everybody can pick what color they want. And I want you to just hold your balloon, and we'll finish our little lesson. And then you get to, you're welcome. Then you get to take them back to your, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you, you're welcome. Okay, so I want you to take the balloon that you have, and you can breathe life into it, or your mom or dad can help you, or grandmother or grandfather. You can, sure. You can breathe life into it, and remember that just as the balloon needs to be filled with life, with air from us or someone else, we need to have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us so that we can be all that God wants us to be. Okay? Yes, we will get, we'll get air in them. Okay, will you close your eyes and repeat our prayer after me, and then you can take your balloons with you. We thank you, Lord, for sending your Holy Spirit. We thank you for breathing life into the church, and we thank you for giving your spirit to all who believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. comes from the book of John, chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given them, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us bow our heads for a time of prayer. O oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. O oh God, you are a creator God. You've made all things of earth and heavens and, and us. And so we come this day filled with all, offering our thanksgiving praise. You're also a redeemer, God. You came and visited us in our sinfulness and freed us from our sin and death. And you promised that we would never be alone, that we'd be filled and sustained. So you're also a sustaining God. You sent to us on the day of Pentecost, which we celebrate today, your Holy Spirit, and you gave, poured out many gifts for us all. And we pray, O oh Lord, and thank you for coming to us as creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Just as you poured out your spirit in creation and again on Pentecost, so fill us once more with a renewal of that spirit that we might use that power to build up your church in giving us so great a gift, you've also given us a responsibility to care for each other. And so we pray and lift up this day, O oh God, all those on our prayer list who might suffer in body, spirit, or mind, and all those that we might name in our hearts now. We pray that you'd receive them in your mercy and make them whole. 
We know that you hear us, O Lord, and we offer our prayer in the one who is the head of the church, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying these words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
Today is Pentecost Sunday. The red represents not only the blood of Jesus, but the spirit of Jesus Christ. The scripture I'm going to read, uh, chapter 2, verse in Acts, the book of Acts, actually the whole chapter is about this day, and I commend it to your reading. But I'm only going to read the first four verses for now. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. You remember last week, I told you Ascension Sunday, Jesus was rose to heaven and told them to go and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And they went back to Jerusalem and they waited 10 days. And it might seem like an eternity to them, I bet, as they waited. And then it, it happened. The day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that your, your promise came true not to leave us, but to always be with us through your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that power that enabled those first disciples to carry the message of the love of God in Christ Jesus to the world. And even today, we are the results of that. And we are thankful. And we know your presence is still with us. And your spirit still enables us. And we pray in your name. Amen. Now, I don't often commend uh, an author to anyone, but if you want to go online, uh, some bookstore, Amazon, or go to Barnes & Noble, and look up this man's name, Leonard Sweet, you will see he's written a number of books and you could just pick any of them at random and you'd be blessed by reading some of his work. He's uh, not only is he a well-known author, but he was also the dean of the United Methodist uh, Seminary at Drew for a while. He's, a, he's just a very outstanding man. He's written an awful lot about the church that he loves. And he writes in one of his books that it is more difficult today for the church to minister in the world than ever before. He writes and says that the church faces challenges that we never dreamed of even just 20 years ago. And if we are to be effective, just as effective as those first men and women who felt and filled with the Holy Spirit fire that day on the first Pentecost Sunday, if we are to be as effective as they were, and think how effective they truly were. Then we need to go back and we need to think about what they did. We need to study what they did and practiced. You see, here's the way I figure it. Those folks who founded the first century church, many of them, of course, lived, ate, slept, and ministered with Jesus along the way during those three years of his earthly ministry. And when the holy fire of Pentecost came upon them, the very fire of God that descended upon their heads and hearts that day. They were faithful to God. And all that we hold dear today is because they love Jesus more than anything else. They love Jesus even to the point of giving up their lives and suffering 
through the years to make sure that here today you know and understand the gospel of Christ. In my book, that qualifies them as we struggle to worship God. The whole book of Acts gives us some clear direction on what I call real worship, effective worship. But for us to understand what real worship is, we have to talk a little about, about what it's not. What it's not. You know, I wish that every member of the, of the denomination could go at least for one day or one worship service to our annual conference. You would be immensely blessed when you see all the preachers and all the people from all around the churches there gathered for business and worship. You'd be immensely blessed by the worship that breaks out, how the Spirit breaks out, and how we have real worship, uh, real authentic worship. You'd be blessed by our new bishop, Bishop Holston, who is a, who is a very fiery, inspiring preacher. And he would probably be one of the first ones to tell you that authentic worship is not about what makes us feel good. We need to understand something clear this morning. True worship isn't really about any particular style. The main thing is the main thing. That is God's main interest is that we worship Him. Real worship is about giving to God, not getting from God. Real worship is about pleasing God, not having God please us. It's dreaming God-sized dreams and having the faith that God is with us and that God will inspire us to make those dreams happen. You know, the first century church knew that worship was an attitude of the heart. Ephesians 5, 18, 20 describes how the members saw worship. It was the time to come and be filled with the Spirit. It says that people would speak to other, others in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Can you imagine that? When you greeted someone, you greeted them in song. Hello, Jim, I'm happy to see you. you think, think about that. Think about how, how inspired people were to greet each other with songs. And then it goes on, it says, they sang and made melody in their heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always, listen to these words how they say, giving thanks always for all things. See, it doesn't matter what it is that even befalls us, we should give God thanks for all things, always and everywhere. You know what kind of music God loves the most? Whatever kind will cause you to sing with a heart to praise Him. You know what kind of version of the Bible that the Lord wants you to read? Whichever one that will cause you to dig into it and to let it turn your heart towards Him. The kind of worship God wants us to have is the kind that points our heart towards Jesus Christ. Worship is a vehicle to get us closer to God's heart. And sometimes we get so hung up about what we want, we begin to think that God can only be worshiped in one particular way or one particular style. And when we think that way, we turn the church into a showboat rather than a lifeboat. 
You know, our, our bishop, I believe our bishop is doing things on purpose to shake us up. I'll give you an example of this. At annual conferences, you know, we use a big old convention hall. The first year, we had the pulpit situated on one end and everybody on the other. The next year, they switched it up. It was on a different side and everybody on the other. This year, it had been moved again to a different side. I kept, kept thinking, the only thing I can figure is that the bishop wants to shake us up out of our complacency because we keep moving. We keep moving the way it looks, the way it is, the way it is. Authentic worship is something about giving our hearts fully to God. It's not about crowd-pleasing. Uh, too, too many people are afraid to tell people the truth these days. The Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. We're so worried that we might offend somebody. But the thing is that you cannot preach or talk or teach or speak about Jesus Christ without stirring things up. You will stir things up. The Spirit causes us to make decisions when it's proclaimed. If you will take the time, the rest of the, sometime today, to read the rest of that chapter, you're going to see that the Apostle Peter, the one who denied Jesus, if you remember, three times, who was afraid to speak up and say he believed in the Lord, spoke up after the holy fire descended upon him and boldly preached. Act 2 verse 36 says that he stood up and he preached to those there, including some who had crucified Jesus, and he said to them, he said, I want you to know today that God who has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, has been made Lord in Christ. You see, Peter put it to them. Put it right to him. Peter didn't say, well, I might better be careful about what I say because I might just offend somebody. He didn't do that. He preached the word. He preached the truth. Now guess what happened? Now guess what happened? Verse 37 tells us what happened. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You see, when we're bold in our witness... It always brings a response. In this case, his boldness in preaching brought a response from those people that said, I need to repent. I, I did wrong. You're right. I'm sorry, you see. The Apostle Paul made it so clear to us in Romans 1.16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. My friends, we should never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The former dean of the Billy Graham School of Evangelism, Tom Rainier, he surveyed 4,000 churches during a course of nine years while he was dean. And he wrote several books and he came up with several characteristics of churches that were effective in reaching people to tell them about Jesus. I just want to share three of them with you. The first one was clarity and conviction of doctrine. People want to know what you believe. They want you to be clear and they want you to be convicted. I believe in Jesus Christ, dead and buried and raised from the dead. 
ascended to heaven. Now that's a clear, and I said it with conviction. That's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear, well, I'm not really sure if that virgin birth really happened or not. I don't know. I've been trying to figure that out. I don't know. That's not what people want to hear. People want you to be clear and convicted in your doctrine. People want to know what you believe. The second thing, people want you to be spirit-filled. They want you to have spirit-filled talk, teach, and preach. They don't want to be padded. They don't want to be stroked. They don't want to be petted. They don't want to be told everything's okay. That's all right. That's all right to tell little Graham everything's going to be all right when he smashes his finger. But it's not what adults want to hear. That's not what they want to hear out of you as a disciple of Christ. They want you to be spirit-filled, and they want you to be convicted and clear on what you believe. Because people deep down inside are searching. They are searching for that truth of Jesus Christ that says, I can set you free. Another characteristic I want to share quickly is that churches that reach people the best have intentional evangelism missions and outreach plans. You see, they just don't leave it by chance. They organize and make sure that they're intentional about ways that they can be in mission and outreach to the community as a way of letting people see the face, the hands, the heart of Christ. The bishop said something, and it was made so much sense to me. He said, this week, you might be the only scripture anybody sees or reads. You may be the only scripture that anybody reads this week. Think about that. Think about that. You might be the only example of a, the face of Christ, the hands of Christ, the love of Christ. If you want people to accept the Lord as Savior, then you've got to be intentional about it. And it should be the thing that burns on your mind and heart more than anything else because it's a life or death decision. And if you love your friends and your family and your neighbors, you should want them to come to the Lord. Authentic worship is not about crowd pleasing. Do you think in first century Christians were worried about pleasing the crowd? If they were, Peter wouldn't have stood up and said, you guys are the ones that crucified our Lord. Do you think it was about pew sitting? I tell you, when you're at annual conference, you can't help even even an even a uncoordinated, uncoordinated white boy like me has to learn how to clap in unison when everybody starts clapping. You can't help but get inspired as people get into the worship. What amazes me is how we can act so reserved in church, but boy, you put us in a sporting arena and see how we act. Now, how would you think about this for a minute? Can you imagine someone going to a sporting event and the fans saying things like this. You know, I'm never going back to that sporting event again because 
You know, the people that sat beside me, they just weren't all that friendly. Or, I'm not going to go back because you know what? It was just too hot. Or it was too cold. Or the game went into overtime. It ran over and I was late getting home. I'm never going back again to one of those sporting events. Now, I really like this one. My parents took me to so many games when I was growing up, I'm not going to another. How many of y'all said that yourself at once sometime? And then I let this, this one is my all-time favorite. I'm not going to take my kids to any games because I want them to make their own choices about what teams they will support. <laughs> Just think about that for a moment. You know the other thing that drives me nuts is how people will scream, holler, shake, shout, jump up and down and cheer for a score. You know, just once, I wish one of y'all would say amen. Amen. Or I wish somebody, maybe somebody could take a piece of paper and write on there a 10 and hold it up and let me know I scored good on that one. <laughs> And if I didn't write a one, and I'll, okay, I'll know that wasn't right. You know that the Lord has got to wonder why we get more excited over fishing or hunting or going to the mall or to the lake or going to the race or to the movies or whatever else we seem to want to do. And we're just not as excited about His Son who died for our sins. Real worship is what the Lord wants from us. You know, I served a church one time in the downstate. You've heard me say this before. And, and uh, Reverend Straits here this morning, so I'm going to say that, you know, I only ended up at that church because Reverend Straits sent me there. <laughs> he was the district superintendent. But I had some of the best four years of my ministry there and learned a lot of things from those folks down in the lower part of our state, which are different from us up here in the upper part of the state. And one thing things I learned was that a lot of people there are called Bubba. You know, if you say the word Bubba and say, Bubba, stand up, about half the church will stand up, okay? But some of those guys thought that just because they dressed up that morning and did not go hunt deer or go fish, that somehow or another that made them, you know, impressive to the Lord. And one time I told one of them, I said, you know what? I don't believe that God is up in heaven talking to the angels, high-fiving them and saying, hey, look down there. Oh, Bubba, he came to church this morning. I'm so proud of him. He's just sitting there doing nothing, but he's here, you know? I don't think that impresses God. I think what impresses God is you are worshiping the Lord. You're singing the songs. You're saying the prayers. You're saying the affirmation of faith. You are worshiping. You are participating. You are focusing on God. It seems to me like we shouldn't focus except one place and that's towards the Lord. We should not worry about what God can do or not do. We should not worry what someone has done or not done 
uh, that we know, but we should focus only on what we can do as we serve the Lord. What we do here is not about me. I was renewed in that when I was annual conference. And I'll tell you right now, I was just like everybody else. I was dreading the going down there. I was dreading the meetings. I was dreading, dreading, dreading. And I come back refreshed in the spirit because our bishop kept us focused. Constantly he would refocus us on our servanthood to Jesus Christ. He would focus us on our Lord. He would focus us on missions so that we were the hands and feet and heart to the community, that we would be the scripture that the community read. I hope that as I'm with you this coming up through for this next year, that I can help inspire us to do and be the hands and feet of Christ as we work through all our many missions and ministries here. Friends, God deserves our authentic worship. And we certainly need the loving touch of His Holy Spirit. So this Pentecost Sunday, I simply ask you to give God the worship He deserves day in and day out. And when you leave the church every Sunday, leave fired up over Jesus Christ and all that He has done for you and all He has done for me. Be fired up for Jesus, just like they were all them many years ago. Give the glory to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Let's sing our song. you always know the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Almighty, Eternal, Triune God, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.